Archer, Archer 641, Charlie, Charlie, 2000, climbing 3000. Line up and wait, 7 range, for my Alpha. Mark Tower, 172, Romeo Hotel, hold short on the 133, ready to take off. I'm John. I'm Chris. I'm Brad. And I'm Mark. And we are the In the Pattern Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 56 of the In the Pattern Podcast. This is Chris. Along with me tonight, I've got uh, John Conway hailing from the uh, Far East. How are you doing, John? I'm doing well, doing well. How you doing? Yeah, pretty good. Just uh, still, you know, trying to get through this heat out here. We only got about 30 more days of nonsense, as I see it. And we've also got Brad from the uh, North Central area. Brad, how you doing, bud? Oh, I've I've definitely beat the heat. <laughs> um, it did get warm today. We hit 77. So yeah. We've had highs in the 60s lately. Yeah, I heard you, uh, I saw your tweet about something in the 40s already, like, <laughs> oh, well, you were in Minneapolis, right? I was in Milwaukee, actually. Milwaukee, that's right. And, uh, yeah, it was five in the afternoon, it was 65 degrees. I was like, what is this? It's <laughs> terrible. That's insane for this time of year, I can't even fathom it. We had rain today and it got down to 89. For for both of our listeners, it's, uh, it's August. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. You have so little faith. <laughs> Yeah, I guess my track record isn't isn't terrific. <laughs> we'll pick up some more eventually. Anyways, uh, this is going to be, uh, like I said, episode uh, sixty-five. Was it fifty-six? Dyslexics untie. Yeah, uh, episode fifty-six, and uh, we're just kind of catching up after uh, Oshkosh. Uh, this is our first. Uh, uh, podcast since all getting back from Oshkosh. We all had a uh, fantastic time. Mark didn't have quite as good time as, as the rest of us, but uh, he'll learn his lesson, you know, and I'm sure he'll be back eventually. Speaking of Mark, he may or may not be on a little bit later. He is at a uh, CAP meeting, and uh, we all appreciate the uh, CAP, and, uh, and uh, Mark enjoys uh, being a part of it, and hopefully he'll be able to join us here uh, shortly after that uh, Meeting finishes up. I think he's going to jump in maybe uh, via mobile, his mobile device on the ride home and uh, Skype in with us. We'll see how that goes. So anyways, you guys uh, all ready for uh, Osh uh, 2016? I am set. Yeah. I'm, you know, you know, it's weird. Um, so, so Franz, you know, uh, came along with me this year and, you know, spent the, you know, the Thursday to Sunday, as I normally do, in Camp Bacon and so forth. And nothing against Franz, but my Osh went totally differently <laughs> this year than it normally does. Like, I um, I, I guess I learned um, what I really like to do while I'm at Osh and what I really don't care about as much, I guess. And, you know, one of the things that I really missed is taking pictures. Um, I love aviation photography i love to get out there and i can just spend hours taking pictures of uh of all the different aircraft going by and and so forth and i barely did that of course i did have a little bit of a camera malfunction or lens malfunction issue but pardon me but um i didn't get to do that quite as much this year and i and i noticed after i got home and i went through the you know 150 or 200 pictures that i had when i normally have a couple thousand 
And I was kind of like, oh, that's it? Darn, you know? I don't know. Uh, you got, how, how was your guys' Osh uh, in comparison? Anything different? I mean, John, I know you didn't have to spend every waking minute inside an RV um, cutting together, uh, you know, footage that you guys were doing. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely did some editing. I mean, it was a weird Osh mainly because being kind of tapped out with my knee being all messed up. Um, basically I was tied closely to the campground on the days I didn't have the, you know, flaming scooter. It, it had flames on the side. It was pretty ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. You, um, you were I, pretty much immobilized anyway. So I, yeah, I mean the beginning of the week I could barely walk, but the end of the week, somehow I had started getting a little better. Um, but for the most part it was, I only went out when I had the scooter and it was, um, I probably got to see more in the shorter time than usual just because I didn't have to walk the whole grounds. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I went out and went over to Warbirds one day because I was like, I'm going to go over there at least once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I motored along and then went around. And I mean, I got to see a lot of the show, but it was still, um, it was so different because usually it was, it was I went out by myself and I was kind of seeing the show, but I was also filming for my Osh story that I was making. So it was... I was kind of doing two things at once and, and just trying to take in everything as quickly as I could. And then the rest of the time I was back at camp doing work, um, which I, you know, I was doing a decent amount of, of production there, but um, also just hanging out. Um, we did a lot more hanging out at the end at, at night. I think that we have in a while um, in a lot of the previous shows, which I think was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was, um, it was quite a bit, a, a, quite a bit uh, different scene at uh, Camp Bacon than it's normally been because we had uh, UCAP guys hanging out, uh, staying with us over there. Matter of fact, but they left like, I think on Friday. Is that right? Um, yeah, Thursday night. Thursday and Friday. Was out after the UCAP party, and and um, Jeb was out Friday. Yeah, so a little different. And Brad, uh, you know, Aiden was working his little tail off uh, at the coffee shop, so. You you were by yourself a little bit more, right? Yeah, Eden was was occupying himself, so I got a little bit more time, and I got to wander around and and do some more meet and greets and uh, spend some time kind of just chilling out and relaxing, and that was that was a really pleasant uh, experience as well. Did you, anybody buy anything while they were there? Not I... not really. No. I got a little. Uh, I don't think so. Um, you ever see those um, those um, wooden uh, models like for your office? The the great big display that that guy has the hand carved wooden models. They're like a yeah oh, yeah 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 in the flea in the fly market. Yeah, it, well, there's all there was also one in in one of the big hangers. I forget which. They're like the right. Yeah, I know that one. Dark stained one. I got a nice uh, seven forty seven for the office. Um, and, uh, nice. Franz got a Mooney and we had him shipped back here and it all, uh, it all came without getting damaged at all. So that was kind of nice. Uh, got a nice little piece up there, um, on the, on the top of my bookcase now. So it looks pretty cool. Other than that, I think I bought, I think I bought, uh, a shirt. Oh, and I bought a, um, like a, um, a Christmas ornament. Um, anytime we go on vacation, we always buy an ornament from where we've been, and I've never bought one at Osh before. 
But you know what? I've, I haven't managed to make it back. I wonder if any of that's in, in uh, Franz's airplane because I didn't make it back here. I asked you, I think, John, to see if you may have ended up with that ornament or anything because I, I think I have a t- Yeah, I think you did. I think I have a shirt and ornament missing that I haven't came up with. So we'll see. Hopefully it shows up. If not, oh well. So, um, so anyways, Osh was it was uh, a big success this year. Um, I was looking over some of the numbers. They they were saying you know five hundred and fifty thousand plus for attendance, which is a little higher than normal. Um, well more than ten thousand aircraft. I think. It, uh, matter of fact, one report I said I. I think it said like closer to twelve thousand, but I'm not sure if that's accurate or not. As far as as far as the people uh, flying in and you know camping underneath their wing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I don't, I didn't, I think uh, I saw a number about uh, um, Schaller being somewhere over sixty thousand. I don't know if you guys saw that or not. I didn't uh, keep up on the stats. But it was uh, it was huge. Um, I don't I don't know that I, I felt like it was any more uh, crowded than it normally is. It never feels crowded because it's just there's so much open space. But uh, it was uh, it was certainly exciting nonetheless, and I could tell there was a lot of people there. And what the nice thing was that the weather turned out to be so good for well every day that we were there, and and it was really only bad that Saturday where you had those big winds before the show started, right? Yeah, I mean that was the worst weather we had all week. Was was before the show started, actually before I got there because it was Saturday morning, early in the morning. And I mean after that, they they kind of called for rain here and there, and I think it it drizzled one night. Um, for the most part, I mean the weather was fantastic. It was um wasn't too hot. It was um you couldn't ask for a better week. And I mean in terms of the crowd and everything, it was we we could tell before the show started on Sunday that it was going to be a big show. Um, just looking at the North 40 driving around, um, how many people were in the campground. I mean, you could tell, you, you know, like you said, it's hard to tell from the crowds actually on the grounds, but the, the camping and the aircraft, you can tell from there and when parking closes and all that kind of stuff, how full the grounds really are. And this year was just, um, I mean, this is the busiest I think I've ever seen it. Know, so it was um it was impressive. I know they opened up uh, some other areas for camping that previously have never been opened up. I think they had to mow the grass. I don't even think they bit. cut the grass there, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure they got to mow the grass or anything. They were like, "Well, let's put them here. We got we ran out of space in the normal areas." So But anyways, um so anyways, Osh was a blast um since the last time we talked, we um um We've got a, a few flights to talk about. The only thing I've really got to talk about as far as flights is uh, the departure uh, from Osh and then uh, Franz's, Franz and I's uh, uh, trip from Osh over to uh, Wilmar to drop off uh, the airplane. And uh, Brad's been flying all over the place. John, you haven't got back in the cockpit yet, right? Not yet, but more on that later. Okay. And I know uh, I'm not Teaser. sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if uh, if Mark's had a chance or not, but uh, we'll see if he gets gets back on here pretty soon. Uh, anyway, so uh, departing Osh for us on Sunday um, was was fairly just uneventful. It was uh, it was so easy. We um, 
we had uh, who do we have? We had uh, I can't remember. I think we had um, what's his name uh, um, give us a ride over to the uh, um, what is that 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 hotel that we were parked in front of. I don't know what it is. And anyways, Franz and I had breakfast at the Mar Marriott or something. Uh, I think it's a Hilton. A Hilton, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, we had breakfast over there, and then uh, just uh, went and jumped in the plane. Um, Franz called. Franz called up and paid for his fuel, and uh, started up the plane and taxied, and um, of course, you know, got Adis and whatnot. And the day before, we got the um, departure briefing, which really didn't amount to much. Um, but uh, and the weather was the weather was fine. But uh, like I said, we got in, got in, started up the airplane, taxied, and didn't ever stop the plane. We taxied straight onto the runway and just left. Nice. No lines. It was it was pretty good. How how about for you? How was it like for you, Brad? Uh, so it was pretty easy actually getting. Um... Getting all uh, out to the airplane uh, was not too much of an ordeal, although the bus, we were so far east in the North 40 that the bus didn't go that far. <laughs> so we had to walk the last 150 yards or something along the along the side. Mm. Um, but we, we got out there no problem. Um, there was no one left in our row, which made the run-up really easy. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I untied the plane, got everything packed and loaded and, and happy. Um you know, was in no rush. Turned the key, grabbed the ATIS, turned the key, um, and then did my run up and everything. And then I was 300 feet maybe from where I needed to take to to get on the runway to take off. Yeah, I did did have a short wait, um, but uh, for for some incoming traffic. Um, but once once they landed, I I got my you know, clearance to go out on the runway and uh, takeoff clearance was was just a few seconds after that, and then had a really easy, uneventful flight um, back up to the cities. What time? So, um, what time did you leave? I left around noon. Okay. What were you saying, John? So the um, the run up, you guys, um, is it normally done in the row there, or just because it was empty, you did it? it yeah, normally there's no good place to do it. You just, so okay. you end up doing it like during the taxi roll, you gun it up to 2000 RPM and drag the brakes a little bit and, and, uh, you know, check the mags and check the vacuum and, you know, whatever it else, whatever other equipment you need to check, uh, at the prop, uh, and then bring it back down and just continue your taxi. Um, because there's, you, you can't really do it in the row without yeah. wrecking a lot of people's day. <laughs> yeah, and that's what, that's what I was saying. I didn't know if it was like Notum somewhere you had to do it a certain place or not. So I asked the departure briefer, I've asked several people, what do you do for your run-up? And they're like, yeah, you just kind of do it on the way. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy behind you just gets a lot of wind. <laughs> I mean, there's not a whole lot you can really do there, so, you know. No, there's nowhere else. There's no good alternative. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Interesting, but but just like Chris, uh, I had uh, it was a really easy departure. Um, I it it was the the shortest taxi, 
of the day. It beat my two and a half mile taxi from landing on three six to getting to that spot. Yeah, made up for it a little bit, I guess. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it nets out the same, right? You, if you landed on three six, you were going to have the same, and departed on two seven, you were going to have the same taxi distance overall that I did. <laughs> so, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. So we um, we departed uh, um, off of uh, two seven there, and. Uh, just stayed kind of nap of the earth until we were well outside um, of uh, Osh's traffic and just was kind of skimming over the uh, water uh, 500 feet or whatever, you know, for as long as we could. It was a lot of fun. A lot of boats below us um, over, uh, Lake, I guess that's Lake Washington, or not Lake Washington. Winnebago. Uh, Winnebago, yeah. So that was a lot of fun. Um, there was. Pretending you were in a seaplane? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I that's where I did the seaplane training was Lake Washington. Uh Winnebago. Yeah. Um so anyways we uh we stayed pretty low f- for probably, you know, 10 or 15 miles until we started climbing up. And then uh so we were going to go ahead and fly from uh Oshkosh over to Wilmer to drop off the airplane. And then Franz goes, "Oh, hey, I have a friend who uh lives in um or he's got a, like a a summer home or something in uh, in Eau Claire, and he goes, "Let me call him and see if uh, see if he's free to hang out with us because we, you know, didn't have to be in Wilmer until later." So he made a phone call while while he was flying and um, contacted him, and he said, "Yeah." So uh, we flew into Eau Claire and left the plane there and went and had lunch with him. And uh, he's uh, he's one of Franz's customers that. Uh, uh, I'm not sure what kind of car he bought from Florence, but just one of his customers there. And uh, anyways, so we uh, got back. Eau Claire's a funny little airport, too. Um, they've got a tower for, for what reason. I'm not sure exactly. but uh, Yeah, they have, they have air carrier service. Oh, yeah, yeah you're right. There is some um, regional stuff that comes in through there, I guess. And uh, who the... Um, the owners or CEO of, uh, who was it? Um, uh, what's the name of that? Uh, not Lowe's or Home Depot, the other one. Menards. Menards, yeah. They uh, have their fleet of... know what? Menards. They have their <laughs> fleet of jets there, right? Yeah, Menard lives near there, I think. Yeah. They're, they're like a Lowe's or a Home Depot or whatever, but uh, they're more Midwest, yeah. I think. So, uh, so anyways, we, uh, got back into the plane there and took back off and headed towards, uh, Wilmer. And, um, and the thing is, is that Eau Claire is not all that far from the Minneapolis, St. Paul Bravo. So, you know, we're climbing like a homesick angel and, and, uh, Franz tells me, he goes, Hey, want you know, I said, let's get uh, flight following. He says, okay. So we get flight following and we're cruising along and we're about, I don't know, six or seven thousand feet, and uh, and to get over top of the MSP Bravo, you got to be at ten thousand plus. So he's like, I don't know if I'm going to make that. Why don't you see if you can get a Bravo transition? And I'm like, Yeah, that's not going to happen. I've already spoke to Brad about that multiple times. He can never get across the Bravo. So he goes, Oh, okay. So we going along, going along. He goes, Dude, I don't think I'm going to get to ten thousand before we're going to we're going to enter their airspace. I'm like, All right, I'll call him up. So I called him up, and because and, we were already on um, 
flight flight following with them, and I and I just said, you know, Minneapolis approach. This is, you know, Mooney, blah blah blah. And I said, hey, do we, do I need to get to above ten thousand before I hit the Bravo, or are we going to get a Bravo transition? And he goes, no, no, you're cleared for your Bravo. And he said something like altitude, your discretion. I'm sure that's what he said, but maybe that was because I was already so high. Yeehaw. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, cool. All right. So we kept climbing anyways, and um, but we were uh, cleared through the Bravo, and it was a lot of fun. We started zig. He was probably the, the controller if he was looking at us on the on the radar the whole time. We're going left and we're going right, so we can take pictures of what's below us and stuff. <laughs> you know, we got Minneapolis in front of us, St. Paul I think's off to our right wing, and and the airport's off our left wing, and. We're just taking pictures all over the place, turning left and right, and steep uh, kind of um, steep turns and whatnot. And they're probably going, "What the hell is this guy doing up there?" But they never, they never uh, called us out on it. Um, we did have to be wary of some skydivers along the way and uh, some inbound traffic into uh, Minneapolis, but uh, nothing that was more than just a, an advisory that they were around. Nothing that was any kind of serious danger for us or anything like that. So anyways, um, scooted along until we uh, got to Wilmer and um, uh, we did a uh, we did a um, overflight of the field. Franz wanted to um, see what the windsock was doing because we couldn't figure out how to get the ATIS. Oh, I forgot that. Yeah, <laughs> it's not it's not ATIS, but it's That's right. AWOS. AWOS, yeah. So we didn't use the nav radio to listen to AWOS. So instead, we went to fly over to look for the look for the uh, sock, and we didn't see it, but we landed on the. So what I did is I just listened to an ATIS of a nearby airport, and apparently it was pretty close to being the same thing, and 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 we landed, and Brad was already there waiting for us. Yeah, that was that was kind of funny. It was like <laughs> it was one of those where the ASOS frequency is or the weather frequency is like one thirteen point. Seven five or something like that. I don't remember the exact frequency, but but uh, you you can't tune it on the <laughs> on a comm radio. That's right. It's it's too low of a frequency. I'm like, how um, the heck do you manage that? It doesn't exist. I I thought it was a misprint, but then I started going through more and more apps on my phone, and they all had the same thing. I'm like, well, I guess it is, and it never really struck me to, yeah, to think about that. Tune it in on the nav radio and, <sighs> and do it that way. <laughs> See, all that's the benefit of flying planes with ADF is you get used to tuning other things in and listening to audio on the on the navigation equipment. We, <laughs> we listen to baseball games on the ADF. Oh yeah, all the time. Because <laughs> <laughs> they'll tune AM radio in just fine, and they'll even give you a vector to the to the antenna. <laughs> what? Um... You fly right over the Twins what? game, huh? <laughs> well, frequencies are ADF on then. ADF is kilohertz. So it's it's like three hundred or five hundred to eleven or twelve hundred, eleven ninety, I think is oh, the highest. Oh wow! Okay, um, and it's AM kilohertz. Hmm. That's cool. Huh. So it works just great. You you can you can tune in any uh, AM radio on your ADF. Well, not any if it only goes up to eleven. But... Well, yeah. What does it? What does AM go up to? Thirteen? Uh, like fourteen? Isn't it like eighteen? Seventeen? Yeah, we're, we're we're so old school. We don't even <laughs> know. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I used AM radio outside of the plane. Yeah, I I used to listen to it quite a bit back in the day. Listen to sports and stuff, but not so much anymore. 
Um, so anyways, we uh, dropped the Mooney off at uh, Weep No More. Um, they're a Mooney uh, fuel tank repair specialist uh, sitting there on the uh, grounds at, uh, at uh, Wilmar. And um, I guess they're well known that, you know, Moonies have to have this. Pro- I don't know if other planes have this similar problem or is it just Moonies that these tanks need resealed? You know, just it's not if but when. Um, but they make a good living at it because we uh, dropped off that plane and there was, I don't know, Brad, there had to been four or five other Moonies sitting there waiting for it, waiting for that I same think, service. Yeah, I think you said there were six planes ahead of you. Yeah. So whoever does it is good at it. And I think, isn't it that Moonies have, aren't, aren't they rubber tanks? They're not aluminum no, sealed tanks? No, it's a, it's it's part of the metal wing. It's just a wet wing. Um, and it's just Weird. got this sealant around the edges. And uh, so I guess Weep No More um, bought the technology or the service to do this from Mooney originally, I think is how it went. And so they use it instead of uh, steel brushes and stuff like that. They use some sort of solvent uh, to get the um, the old goop out. But anyways, uh, I hear it's all done, and Franz is leaving tomorrow to head back there to pick it up and uh, to see you, Brad. Yeah, he's going to have to suffer flying with me again. <laughs> um, although this time we'll be in the uh, Warrior, so it'll be a, a little different experience. Oh, okay. But yeah... Um, that I guess that segues into my yeah. my stuff if you were done. Well, yeah, um, other than that, yeah. Then we got to hop on the, uh, what, throw all of our stuff from the Mooney into the uh, Cherokee 6 and ride back to Crystal with Brad. And Brad, you can pick it up from there. Yeah, I, uh, I flew out to Wilmer, and uh, after, after giving Franz the heads up that the Wilmer airport is not the first airport that you see, Next to Wilmer, you come you, before you get to the actual airport. They moved the airport two miles to the west, and but the old airport is still there, two miles to the east, or at least part of the runway is still there. Well, that's not confusing at all. No, not <laughs> at all. So you're flying along, and you're like, "Hey, there's that must be the airport. Okay, I can see the runway. And why are there big yellow X's on it? And <laughs> why is the end of the runway in a subdivision? <laughs> Don't land long. Don't land long. And they and I guess the guy at the at Weep No More said that they've had planes land at on that airstrip and oh my call God. call him up on his phone and be like, "I'm here. Where are you? There's no hangars." <laughs> and he and he's like, "I'm looking at the at the runway and you're not here." You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you get to be that oblivious and that focused on the landing to where you actually don't see yellow axes that are thirty feet long. You know? Right. Yeah. They're they're not. <laughs> Not uh, easy things to miss, um, but uh, but yeah, I, I we all made it to the correct airport and landed on the right set of pavement and uh, got to admire the the beautiful new terminal there at Wilmer, um, and uh, I loaded. It was it was really difficult loading uh, all of Chris and Franz's stuff from the Mooney into the Cherokee Six. You know, we could hardly hardly fit it all. No, the family truckster. <laughs> <laughs> I think we still had at least 300 pounds oh, yeah. uh, of room, and I think I did top it off again. I can't oh. remember if I did or not, but uh, in any case, um, we we had yeah we really didn't have any problems loading the some of the stuff from the Mooney into the Cherokee Six, um, and uh, flew back to Crystal and dropped you guys off at the airport. Uh, came home uh, later on, filed my ASRS on my 
near midair from Oshkosh. Oh, you did um, do that, huh? I did. Have yeah, you, I fu- do you hear anything back yet? No, I don't expect to. Um, I don't think I, I've, I don't know, this is the third or fourth one I filed and I have never heard back from anybody on any oh, of them. Okay. So I, I don't really expect to hear anything, but I did want to let them know, uh, and maybe they can, I don't know, take it into account and help to, you know, I, I said some things that could have helped would have been, um, uh, you know, being a little bit more clear on the description of the aircraft. I was called, I was referred to as low wing aircraft, uh, <laughs> And, um, it, you know, even just adding the color would have made enough of a difference because the other paint, plane was painted gray. Um, and the more I thought about it, the more I, f- I, f- I knew he was, he was taking my calls. Uh, he was behind me and he should not have been. I was supposed to be the very last plane in line. But mm. in any case, um, so I uh, filed that and took care of that. Uh, after that, I had... Uh, a fun flight that uh, I kind of alluded to on the previous podcast, uh, flew to Michigan, uh, flew southbound, picked up a 58-knot tailwind oh. at 11,500 feet. So I was running the six burning, uh, I, th- I want to say 13 gallons an hour at 11,500 feet and doing 170 knots across the ground. Nice. Yeah. It'll do. <laughs> It'll do. Uh, I actually had to go up to 13,000 feet and pick up an IFR clearance um, because there were some clouds in the way. And I was originally hoping to just fly at 11.5 over the Chicago Bravo, but there were clouds over the Bravo. And so I, I was like, well, I need to either take an IFR clearance and they're going to send me all the way around, you know, past DuPage and all the way to the southwest of, of the Bravo because I wasn't going to accept a clearance that took me over the lake. Um, or I was going to have to fly VFR and drop down low and go down the lakeshore. And so um, they immediately said, when, as soon as I canceled IFR, they said, well, approach isn't going to talk to you, so squawk VFR, you're on your own. You know, remain clear of the Bravo. Um, so I, I, got, I got no services from, from them at all um, going by Chicago. But that was fine, you know. We uh, flew flew down low, flew right past the lake shore, got some pictures of some really nice pictures of the city, um, and uh, flew over Gary, Indiana, uh, which is um, conveniently located uh, just a mile or two off of the shore, the southern end of the shore of Lake Michigan, and then um, made the turn east and proceeded on to my destination. Um, tied down really well there and uh with the big storm that came through i was really happy that i tied my plane down better than the folks at chandler uh apparently the you guys got some weather out there uh and had what was it 41 planes at chandler were destroyed in the storm yeah i was i was gonna that was one of the things i was gonna mention that was um october 11th and october i'm sorry august yeah august 11th um there was a big storm that uh Took out more than 40 planes over there at Chandler, and um, Chandler Air Service alone was probably hit the hardest. They had seven of their 24 airplanes were completely destroyed, and uh, nine nine others were damaged. Um, I I saw something matter of fact today that said you know that the damage the the windstorm at the airport damage exceeded one million. I, I was like, yeah, that's a no brainer. I can. 
Wow. Yeah, that's not too many airplanes to get to that amount. Yeah, I saw, like, uh, a Seneca wing sitting on top of the wing of a King Air, you know? So, stuff like that's that. That's a couple mil right there. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> you know, depending on what kind of damage was done, you know, sure stuff that wasn't, like that gets like, expensive. A hundred million? <laughs> yeah. I'll, uh, Ten million easy, probably, at that point. Oh, yeah. I'll put the links in the show notes for the details of it, but that was a heck... I mean, that was a heck of a storm. There was the pictures... I saw, you know, probably a hundred pictures, and there were just planes um, not just flipped upside down on its back, but literally in multiple pieces where a plane was missing the rear of its fuse, uh, of its empennage. Yeah, I, I looked through those, and it was amazing uh, what had happened. It made... It made what look what happened at Sun and Fun a few years ago look like you know nothing, uh, you know. And I didn't see all the pictures from that, but this was ridiculous. I saw a few planes where the tie down rings on the plane had been torn through. Yeah, right. Yeah, I saw um, that. Just incredible amounts of force. That's what you call a um, microburst, I guess. <laughs> it was uh, it was horrendous. So uh, the storm that came through uh, in Michigan where I was wasn't anything quite that severe, but I was happy that I that I did, in fact, know how to tie down an airplane properly. <laughs> uh, and in case you don't, I posted on our Facebook page a great video that someone from somewhere down in Arizona... Is a friend of mine. <laughs> okay, he did, a, he did a great video about how to tie down a plane with rope or chain. And I actually had never... I've never tied down with chain... I've never been anywhere that, that that's been an option. Um, that's probably be, that's about all we have. Last long. Yeah, chains don't last long here. Yeah, with the rust, I see that. Yeah. Yeah. So we only we only use rope. So I'd never I'd never seen that. I I've never been taught how to use chain to tie down an airplane. Um, but he did a, a great video about how to do that, and then he he's the only person I've seen that gave uh, proper instruction on how to tie down a plane with rope and what knots to use. Yeah. Uh, Name those are Keith. Go ahead. Keith, that's Keith Lamb, and uh, I met him actually through Nate Durr. Um, from uh, Nate came out here, and that's one of his friends. But uh, Keith's a seven eight seven pilot um, for I think United. I'm not sure. I think that's right. He flies over to um, Asia all the time. Yeah. So practice your your bolins and your tautline hitches. Um, those are definitely the knots you want to use and they they work great and like i said it was a pretty substantial storm that came through um i was very i I drove out to the airport the next morning even though i wasn't departing right away because i wanted to see if the plane had been damaged at all Um, but no it was was right where we left it and there wasn't any hail and uh and life was good um so a few days later i departed uh from southern uh lower michigan and headed north uh, up to Traverse City, uh, where uh, to take on fuel. Uh, turns out Traverse City has the cheapest fuel in that whole part of the country. I think it was four ten a gallon. Oh wow! Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, and while I was there, I heard uh, after I had I had tuned in the CTAF. Uh, it's a non-towered field. No, I correction. It's a towered field. But I had, I had tuned in the CTAF, but before I had called in, uh, I heard somebody was cleared number three to land behind the starship. And I perked right up at that news. And sure enough, right there on the field, right next to where uh, I had taxied in, was a beach starship oh. uh, that was being refueled. 
um, and uh, the the guy on the field was like, "Do you recognize that plane?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, I I very much recognize that plane." <laughs> and I snapped a few pictures, and he said, "Yeah, it's a great plane, except that what a pain to refuel. It just it just spits jet A out the out the." Uh, oh, the vents. nozzles out the vents and stuff where wherever you're trying to pour the fuel in it just bubbles and spits huh. spits it right back out at you but other than that he he was a big fan as well and then as it turned out so we um, departed out of Traverse City heading towards Ma- uh, Mackinac Island which is northeast it's the northernmost point of the lower peninsula uh, and directly south of the upper peninsula of Michigan and um, the starship passed us uh, at about maybe, I don't know, it wasn't more than 100 feet above the lake oh, uh, and just blew past us and then did a flyby past Harbor Springs where apparently it was either just showing off or, or letting someone know that they should drive to the airport to pick them up. Uh, and then it set up a, uh, an approach and landed at, at Harbor Springs. But uh, So it was really cool to see to see the plane both on the ground up close and then in flight. Uh, it's a, they're just beautiful aircraft. If you haven't, if you've never seen a beach starship, it's a twin turboprop pusher plane. It looks like a, a very easy on very big steroids. <laughs> hey, I wonder if it, it was is... the same one that was at Osh. Uh, it was at Oshkosh. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, there's not many of them left. No. Right. I think there's five. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not even sure if all five of those, are the are even flying? I know I know the one guy owns like the majority of them for spare parts. Yeah, there are a bunch that are parted out. There are ten or fifteen that have been parted out, but there are five left that I think are flying. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, they're they're beautiful looking planes. Very fast, very sleek, very efficient, and quiet on the inside because the engines are all the way behind you. I just I just saw somebody come on Skype. Uh oh, yeah. Um, a buddy of mine back here in Phoenix. His name's Gareth, um, and uh, he's been a, a Beach Starship uh, captain before. Um, he's he's flown all kinds of stuff. He's even flown the the freaking um, um, what's the huge uh, single rotor or the helicopter, the great big heavy lifting Ericsson Air Crane. He's got time in Ericsson Air Cranes and and Starships and you know all kinds of jets and whatnot crazy stuff but uh that's one of it that's one of the ones he, he likes to talk about the most is the starship by far yeah it, it's 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 a beautiful beautiful airplane uh and uh after that uh we continued on for Mackinac island uh got to do some sightseeing there um Mackinac island's kind of weird in that it there are no motor vehicles on the island um it, unless you count aircraft um, there's an airport kind of right in the middle of the island, and uh, but there's no cars. So um, we're walking along, and we see this horse-drawn uh, wagon, just a flatbed wagon, and it's got a bunch of Amazon Prime boxes on it, which definitely gave us a chuckle. <laughs> that see, is interesting. <laughs> seeing your three-day Amazon Prime delivery by a horse-drawn wagon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, a lot of planes there at Mackinac, a lot of traffic, and then uh, continued home via the northern side of Lake Michigan and uh, then then direct back. That was about a th- it was a little over a thousand nautical mile trip um, that we completed in 
8.9 hours in the six. Wow. That's a lot of flying. That was, yeah. I mean, it was spread out over two different say two different days of flying one one day to get to southern michigan and then the the second day to uh to go to traverse city mackinac and home but uh but it was but it was a lot of fun for sure um, and uh something that you just wouldn't have been able to do without uh without a light aircraft nice after that uh the other thing was we on august 22nd we got to host in uh, here in the twin cities an aopa regional fly-in uh which included uh friday night um the night before the main event was a barn dance uh with uh, or a hangar dance i guess uh with uh at at a sea base seaplane base so there were float planes all over the place and people oh, advertising yeah. how to get oh, your yeah. ases and ames um, ratings, uh, airplane single engine C and airplane multi engine C, um, and uh, then the on Saturday they had kind of their main event, which had a pancake breakfast and a rusty pilot seminar, and Rob Machado was there talking, and um, later on they had a session with Mark Baker and Jack Pelton. Mark Baker being the president of AOPA, Jack Pelton being the president of EAA. Uh, Brian Buds, who's the AOPA Great Lakes Regional Manager, was there. Um, but also there were a lot of aircraft on static display that were were really a treat. Um, I got my first up-close-and-personal look at a Lancer Evolution, uh, which is their pressurized turboprop kit plane. Four-person. Isn't that? Four-seat kit plane. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a guy there who was the East Coast sales rep who had just finished building his. Hmm. Uh, and so he had his plane there. It had 160 hours on it. <laughs> nice. Oh, nice. And uh, just absolutely gorgeous. That big, long nose from the from the turbine uh, engine and gearbox. Uh, and uh, it had the BRS chute on it. It didn't yet have the boots, the de-icing boots on the wings and the tail, but that they were going to get installed uh, later on this summer. Or in, so they have in the a, fall. So they have a shoot on those. They have what? So they have a shoot on those. They added the BRS this year. Yep. So there's a ballistic recovery shoot for mm. the for the whole aircraft. Uh, I can't imagine. I mean, I'm sure you've really got to slow that thing down. <laughs> yeah, so I would that's like a, to. That that's an airplane yeah. that will climb at 3,000 feet a minute at 200 knots, uh, all the way to flight level two eight zero. Sleek airplane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very very slick. Uh, and the wings are very, very small. Um, it, I can, it's got a fairly high approach speed. I think, I think you touch down at over 80 knots, and I think wow. you know on final you're at you're at 90. Um, so it's very slick and slippery and 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 all that kind of thing. And I, I was originally pretty intimidated by it, uh, by the thought of trying to build one of these. Uh, but they explained, you know, it's really you don't build it on your own like you would like a Sonex. Mm-hmm. You you really have to do an owner-assisted build where they will come in. They have all the forms for doing all the carbon fiber of the fuselage and the main part of the aircraft. And you, in the course of a two-week build, you build the entire airframe plus with the gear, and you're just left with the firewall forward kind of stuff, the avionics and the firewall forward and the paint. 
um, is basically what you're what you leave having to finish and you really want to work with a professional build assist program um, that'll help you with all of that and anyway this guy had gone through all of that stuff and had had done the entire thing and he had a he had just a beautiful beautiful airplane as a result nice um, another interesting plane that was there was uh, an albatross um, which is a which was a plane that was used for search and rescue on the sea. Um, it uh, it's a twin-engined flying boat, uh, two enormous I want to say fourteen hundred horsepower radial engines, um, and uh, it was to, built to be able to land on on open water, and uh, and pick up people from downed aircraft or from sunken sunken ships. And uh, this guy at Anoka Blaine, K-A-N-E, um, had bought one and made it into a basically a pleasure ship. Um, it's it's all outfitted like a yacht on the inside. Um, you know, it's it's enormous. Wow. It you know it it this plane is probably I'm going to guess 35 feet tall and probably 85 or 90 feet long and it's got a seat 12 people at least on the inside and it's very very roomy you can get up and walk around there's a section in the nose where there's a bowed out clear plexi the nose of the aircraft is clear plexiglass and you can go up there's all cushions and stuff in the in the nose of the airplane and you can sit there and stick your head out this thing um and and watch the sea go by. Uh, then you can just land it in the water and it's got a swim ladder so you can just jump out the door and go for a swim wherever you are out in the middle of the ocean or or one of the Great Lakes or whatever whatever body of water you put the thing in. Uh, and we were lucky enough to be able to kind of sneak aboard and, and check it out. It's just it was just a treat to see um, to see that kind of uh, an aircraft uh, on the inside. It's it's definitely I can't imagine what the thing costs or what it costs to run it, but it's got to be a ton. <laughs> You're looking at hundreds, probably you know, up into the thousands of dollars an hour uh, to be able to run those engines, and, and it's all custom built out. It's it flies experimental because they've put non-certified engines and non-certified props on it, or not not STC'd. They're not on the type certificate for the for the aircraft, so it flies experimental category, um, but but really a, a a wonderful thing. Uh, and then tomorrow, yeah, I'm flying out to pick up Franz. It looks like the weather that's coming through will have come through here by the time he lands, so um, should have no problem uh, flying flying out to Wilmer to drop him off to pick up his Mooney, and hopefully he won't have any problems flying down to Chicago. Um, We'll, we will see how fast that front moves. He may be wanting to delay his departure at, from Wilmer for a little while to let the front pass uh, DuPage. Otherwise, he'll probably catch up with it. What time are you supposed to pick him up? Uh, he arrives at about 3.30. Okay. Out at, out at Minneapolis. Gotcha. But, uh, but that's the bulk of what I've been up to. And just for the record... Um... Albatross, there's one for sale on Trade-A-Plane for 1.495 mil. There you go. With um, 378 since major of our 378 on each engine and 163 on the prop. 
and um, looks like there's an extensive spares package. And it's and it, it only has thirteen hundred hours on it total time. Yeah, but the the, the avionics yeah. package is fantastic. But uh, one point four five million is actually pretty close to the to the total build out cost of a Lancer Evolution too. So you know, <laughs> it's is that just, really what it costs for the Lancer. Yeah, it's about one point really? five wow. million when you're all That's done. That's more than I thought. It it's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, but it would be a lot. I didn't know it'd be that much. It's a lot of airplane. You're basically getting a Cirrus jet. For a, it's true. You know, it's a, true. A less than half the price, a third the price. Probably well, a significant less fuel burn. Or L thirty nine. Yeah, except that if you're going to take two people and two more people in bags, then what you can fit in your L thirty nine. Hey, who's that talking anyway? Who just busted in? I stuck in. <laughs> Mr. Lopez. Hello, hello. Driving home from the uh, cat meeting. Yes, I am. Nice, nice. Gotta love technology. <laughs> Well, hopefully you have uh, good cell coverage from here on to the house. Oh, I do. <laughs> Excellent. What have you been up to? Uh, really busy at work. Uh, Aviation-wise, I've been aviating quite a bit, uh, which is kind of nice, too. I found a – I think I talked about it in the last, last podcast. Uh, I found a, a flight school like, at the airport that's 10 minutes from my house that has uh, what we're jokingly called a, a super warrior – uh, it's a warrior with a, with a 180 in it. Okay. Uh, that uh, it, it's got about 130 knot true airspeed uh, capability, and I've I've tested that out, and it's it's pretty pretty solid. But uh, so I've been flying that and having a lot of fun and getting used to it. Um, that's all just like local stuff. Uh, back and forth to the air show meetings across town, and just just quick little jaunts. Um, Flew to uh, Monterey a couple of weeks ago with uh, with my buddy Keith in his uh, in his SR22. Uh, that was a really cool trip. We got to uh, if, if you're ever out in the area, you want to go to Monterey, fly into Monterey, and then go to the Monterey Jet Center. Uh, if you call ahead, they've got crew cars um, for no cost, and the landing fee is only forty bucks. Um, so we, we took advantage of that. Um, Haley was with us. So we, uh, we got right there at the flight center. We were able to get corporate, the corporate passes to, uh, the, uh, Monterey Bay Aquarium. So we took the crew car over, which is like a brand new Chevy Malibu. Uh, and they have a whole spectrum of vehicles. Uh, then you, we went to the Monterey Bay Aquarium Walked around there, checked it all out for uh, for a couple hours. Went and had a, a bite to eat uh, on on the wharf. Drove back to the center, and then we're literally treated like you know royalty. It's kind of cool to go into some of these jet centers, and they don't care if you're there. There was a guy in uh, an RV6, and they treated him to like he pulled up in a, a, a you know Falcon 9 or something. You know, it just it was impressive. It was a very nice place, and I highly recommend. The service was great. The, the, the ladies behind the counter were amazing. Um, and Monterey's a beautiful area if you, if you get a chance to go. Um, that's fantastic. Other, that's, that's you know, because yeah. I've been to some where, you know, you're not buying enough jet fuel to bother them. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that, see, that's the thing is we, we found out later how, you know, the little guys like us can get in there for a decent rate is 
they have quite a few um, corporate flights that go in there, so they're making their money on the on the jets that come in. Uh, so little guys like us can come in and and you know putz around. They they park us off to the side a little bit out of the way, and but but it was still we were right there, and I think there was a couple of CRJs, a couple of Citations. There was a there was a, a two or three Falcons on the ramp. I mean it was it was crazy money sitting on the ramp as far as aircraft, but, uh, um, but they treated everybody, whether you got off of the citation or you, you got out of the RVs, they treated everybody exactly the same. It was, it was, it was a nice feeling. Uh, so, and, and for the, for the landing fee of only 40 bucks, I mean, most of them, like if you go to signature or Atlantic or something, they, they hit you for a hundred bucks unless you're buying fuel. That was the other thing. We didn't have to buy fuel. And they're like, If you did buy fuel, they probably cut the landing fee, don't they? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. The, the landing fee is covered, you know. And, and the fuel price was a little bit high. I mean, it's like it's California Bay Area. It's a little bit higher there. Um, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I'm sure it was the neighborhood of five fifty or six bucks a gallon. But um, but you know, like I said, we didn't we didn't need it for that for that trip. Um, Upcoming events that I have going on, um, and I know this won't be out by that time, but I'll take plenty of pictures and video and everything else. Um, in Central California, kind of on the Fresno area, there's a place that any, pretty much everybody in California knows about. It's called Harris Ranch. It's a massive cattle ranch. And years and years ago, they built a runway on the ranch. Well, right next to the runway is their, is their restaurant, and it's right off of I-5. You're going from LA to Sacramento or wherever. Harris Ranch restaurant is right there. So the flyout group that I'm be- I've become a member of out of San Carlos, which is in the Bay Area, they have, you know, well, you'll go to this airport and have and have lunch, or you'll go and and once a month they plan a, a midnight flight. So I'm gonna actually uh, I'm gonna take off out of Lincoln uh, in the Super Warrior. I'm going to fly towards Tracy, which is towards the coast, yet still in the valley. Um, I'm going to meet up with Fred Sampson and Ron Klutz. They're going to be in their own aircraft. Both of those guys are uh, fast certified, the formation uh, certified. And I've already basically done the ground school portion of it. So I'm going to meet up with them over Tracy, and we're going to start working on formation uh on our way down to Harris Ranch to meet up a big group. Uh, we'll have dinner, and then everybody will go their separate ways under the under the full moon uh, Saturday, this coming Saturday, which would be the, what, 28th, I think, 29th. So kind of excited about that. Um, Fred seems to think that, that uh, based on my, my knowledge that uh, and, and all the reading I've done, that the distance from where we're going to meet up to to, uh, to Harris Ranch, we should be able to knock out a bunch of the requirements for the for the training portion. So excellent, kind of excited. Yeah, I would be too. And, so uh, that's one of those things on the, on the aviation bucket list I want to get you know take care of. I've got yeah. to I've got to fly with uh, with uh, Fred and a matter of fact we were in Ron's uh, Ron's uh, airplane, but uh, Fred flew uh, formation um, on the way back from um, 
Sedona that one time, and that was a lot of fun. Oh, cool. He's good. He knows what he's doing. I, I'm looking forward to it. He's the one that's going to be driving the ship, so I, whatever he says, I'll be doing. All I can do is, as I'm reading through all the manuals, if, if anybody wants to kind of read through it, you can, you can download it online. But you find the, the United States Navy T-34C uh, formation manual. Uh, that's basically what a lot of um, places that do formation training, they have you read that because it's so well, that the, the syllabus is so laid, it laid out so well that uh, it, it doesn't make sense to, you know, rewrite the book. Uh, they're... Fred and his group that they do a lot of uh, more serious formation work. Um, they're trying to write an addition to that for their, the specific to their aircraft. Um, but uh, I haven't seen it yet. Hmm. So, but anyway, that's, that's what I've been doing. That's what I'm going to do. Otherwise. Uh, yeah. How about you guys? I don't know. I, I don't know. I picked up on some of Brad's stuff and I haven't heard anybody else. So, I think uh, um, John's up next. Yeah, yeah. Um, looks like I'm the only one I haven't gone yet. Uh, I haven't done any f- flying um, in an airplane since our little um, seaplane thing in Osh. Um, haven't actually flown myself as PIC since January, which is really killing me right now. Um, but I am looking to rectify that in the near future. Actually, I would probably be doing it like this weekend or next weekend if it wasn't for my schedule being busy um, with some other stuff. But uh, I just picked up some renter's insurance this week um, to get uh, my open airplane checkout done. So I'm going to do that sometime in the next month, um, preferably as soon as I can. Um, kind of looking at some things and, um, uh, you know, moving some money around and everything and found out that, um, I needed to take a look at actually my life insurance go figure. And in the process of doing that, getting quotes for some stuff, um, realized that basically to save a crap load of money, I need to get the 5.3 hours to hit a hundred hours as soon as I possibly can. Um, the upside is that, the money proposition there is such that I can easily convince my wife and um, it makes total sense to do it as soon as possible. So (laughs) I'm going to try to bang out about 5.3 hours in the next like month and a half. (laughs) Good. Um, Which would be awesome. So I'm really looking forward to getting back in the air. Um, So so I'm going to worry about the insurance. Yeah. I didn't mean to sidetrack you, but I've, I've been looking at insurance too. So, uh, and maybe some of our listeners are thinking the same thing. What what specific are you looking at as far as companies and type of life insurance and whether you're covered when you fly and et cetera, et cetera? Did, did you get it from our little ginger-haired friend? I got it from Victoria, <laughs> and I went to her when I bought my Turbo the Flying Dog book, which you all should too because Turbo the Flying Dog is awesome. Um, I Basically, I went to her, and I was just like, what do I need? Because I'm looking at renter's insurance from everywhere and none of it makes any sense. Um, because there's all kinds of options and it's like, really, what do you need? And what I got was, um, so it's air dash pros.com is where she works. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're affiliated with open airplanes. So if you're going to do an open airplane checkout, you'll get the 5% off going through them, which is awesome. Um, but 
um, basically she was like, okay, so you need um, at least, uh, there's a couple things here. There's, you know, have you been involved in an accident and all that stuff? I'm just looking at the form she gave me. Um, and basically, for the most part, um, there's the non-bodily injury and property damage thing. Um, I went for the 250000 which is the lowest. Um, it's like 80 bucks a year for that. Then there's the medical limit of $1,000 each person. And then the last section was the non-owned physical damage liability, including loss of non-owned aircraft which this is where like the flight school can get you for like the time the aircraft is down and all that kind of stuff and the deductibles and everything um this is basically what you can afford so um i forget which one i went with i think it was like 15 or twenty thousand each occurrence or something like that but in total um because i haven't had any claims there's a five percent discount and then five percent for open airplane and i think it came out to 275 a year that's cheap um which isn't bad at all. So um, that worked out really well, and that's what I ended up going with. That's who I that's how that's who I had mine in the past with until I started flying the Mooney, um, and then I had to get that through Franz's carrier. But uh, I'm sure you're named right. Yeah, on the Mooney, but yeah. uh, before that, I I'd gotten I'd always had renter's insurance through through uh, Victoria. Yeah, it's the first time I got it through them, and I wanted to get a um, fresh set for for doing the open airplane checkout because I need it anyway. So, um, um, yeah, so I just looking at mine, my, my policy, my last policy expired August. Uh, matter of fact, it just expired this month, August 1st, 2015. So I was good with them up until then, but, uh, bodily injury, pop property damage for non-owned owned aircraft, $250,000 each occurrence, $25,000 each passenger. That's what I had. And that was $76. And then liability for non-owned physical damage, $5,000 each non-owned aircraft. And I think that's where you bumped yours up to 20000 yeah. or something. Basically, yeah. I mean, it was basically um, what she was like. is like, look, at this point, whatever you can really afford. And it wasn't that much difference. Um, and, and when I said 80 it's probably 72 with a percentage off. Yeah, because I think it's eight bucks off for the the two, so that works out. Um, so it's about the same. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, it's not bad. It's it's really not. I mean, for for a whole year worth of coverage, it's really not bad. And the main the main thing you really want to keep in mind is yeah, the insurance the 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 place that you're renting the uh, plane from yes has insurance and 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 yes you're you're covered so to speak. But like what John was talking about. Once that plane's out of service for them, they're no longer making money from the plane's revenue, and they can't come back to you for the loss of that revenue. Yep. So, and that's I think the big thing. Um, that, and then there's also the deductible that they have yeah. that they're going to get you for. So, you know, exactly. Make sure all that's covered. So, um, not bad. And now I'm basically um, I just need to figure out when I'm free, and I'm going to go do the checkout. Um, so I'm probably going to do it at Bay Bridge Airport. I'm looking at that right now. Um, they got two 172s, um, 172Ss sitting there for buck thirty-eight an hour, which really isn't bad. Um, so I'm excited. I got to um, hurry up. I've been busy with launching my app, um, but I got to set some, um, some time aside here 
to do some studying because uh, I was coming up on my BFR in October anyway. So I'm going to be able to knock uh, two things out at once, which would be nice. Yeah, good deal. Um, and then the only other thing I got, um, I've officially scheduled my trip out to San Diego um, that we were talking about doing. And we're going, uh, we're leaving on New Year's Day to go out there and since i'll have the open airplane one of the reasons i want to get it done this fall anyway was so i could rent an airplane while i'm out there yeah um so i'm gonna do that and i may have convinced my um sister-in-law to let me at least take my nephew up (laughs) um because he would absolutely love that and um bill wrote also um oh yeah he tried to take multiple of us up at this point <laughs> throughout the podcast and it just never worked out so i get an email from him after the last episode and he's like third time's a charm and uh so we'll, we'll see if we can make that happen bill bill's always got the good stuff to fly he's always got that coast and stuff and seeing yeah. whales and stuff he's got uh he's got a nice area to fly in yeah it, it, i'm looking forward to it so um might try to do that first and then go up in the open airplane so i can get a little you know taste of the area but uh um so if i can work it out and get two flights while i'm out there that'll be awesome and then i'm actually going um stopping by go figure phoenix on the way home we have some friends there Yay. um so see if i can uh hang out with chris or something mm-hmm. um uh maybe uh I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to try. Um, I may try to do another open airplane there or just try to hang out with you. I don't know. We'll see. Kind of depends on schedules at this point. But um, So I'm flying out to San Diego on January 1st. And then I fly to Phoenix on the 14th. And then I fly home, I think, on the 16th. Yeah. But you're, com- it's, you're it's... coming here before you go to San Diego. No, we're coming after. Oh, because I thought you were talking about doing an open airplane here so you could fly in San Diego. No, I'm doing the open airplane at in Maryland now. Oh, okay. To get checked out, oh. and then I'll be able to rent while I'm out there. Oh, I see. That yeah, that's what you were talking about. Yeah, flying open yeah. airplane. No, but I might okay. do one in Phoenix too. I might do two. Okay. Okay. Because I'm like, well, I have like I have the opportunity now to do it. Why not go fly in these different areas that I've never flown in before? Yeah, we're going to have to make a Sedona trip so you know what that's like. Uh, yeah, well, uh, hopefully I can get the, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Well, I'm sure I can get a hold of a plane. So. Yeah. <laughs> so. One way or the other, we'll that'll try be to make cool. That, we'll try to make that happen as long as I can get away for, for long enough. Yeah. So. Sounds good. So, um. That's pretty much all I got. Just a lot of planning right now, but um, it looks like things are moving, and I'm hopefully going to be in the air in the next few weeks. Well, cool. Well, uh, Franz will have the um, Mooney back here pretty sh- pretty soon, and I've had quite a bit of uh, side work going on, so I got my side work stash uh, of money um, sitting there ready to go on. Nice. Put it towards that, and um, I, I would I would go up to. Uh, Wilmart and fly it back with him. Actually, he's going to he's going to Virginia first, but then he was talking about fly, um, meeting him in Chicago and then flying back from there. But uh, so I heard. Yeah, I just I just can't take the extra time off. That's an extra two days that I really don't have right now. So I'd like to, but ain't gonna work yeah. out unfortunately. Um. So in other news, hey, did, did you guys hear about the they got that uh, replica Bugatti Bugatti 100P uh, flying? 
well, at least its first little test flight. Yeah, I did see that. The the video looked cool. Yeah. Is that the one that didn't end well? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't horrible, but yeah, the right I guess the right brake, uh, the right brake didn't engage, and so it spun and and uh, did a little bit of uh, damage to. Well, it took the props out. I know that, but I'm not sure how much else. But they said it, they'd be able to get it back flying pretty quickly. So I'd like to, yeah, I'll be excited to see after they get that thing up for a real open throttle test run to see what it will do, see if it'll go as fast as they expected. You know how the engine's like behind you, but the propellers are in front of you, and there's a like a, a shaft that, that you're basically sitting on underneath you that's spinning the propellers. It's pretty slick. Interesting plane. Mm-hmm. I saw, you know, the real ones over there at the Oshkosh uh, Museum the EA, EAA Museum. Um, I remember seeing that a few years ago. Pretty, pretty amazing design for its day, that's for sure. So, other than that, I think uh, we can probably much uh, close out episode 56, uh, unless anyone else has something else they wanted to jump on with. Shout outs? That's the shout outs. Uh, I've got a few since I brought it up. Yeah. Um, I uh, wanted to give a shout out to both of our listeners that I met at uh, the AOPA Regional Flying. I didn't know that uh, that both of our listeners lived here in the Upper Midwest, but uh, <laughs> but I got to meet them. Uh, it was great, and uh, uh, really appreciate it, and and look forward to uh, maybe picking up uh, another two or three uh, sometime in the next few years. I don't know. We might be able to bump up to three now. Yeah, we, we might be able to. We might be able to. Uh, and another shout out to uh, Mariah Graham, who recently became the youngest female African American pilot uh, by earning her private pilot license at age seventeen uh, through Emmy Riddle in Daytona. Uh, big shout out to her. And awesome. last, a shout out to Lightspeed for fixing both of my. Zulu 2s, one of, well, neither of which had functioning uh, noise reduction anymore, and one of which only worked in one ear. Um, but I sent them in, and uh, they did the warranty repair and sent them back to me free of charge, and I'm a happy camper. So that's it for me. Um, I'll just do a quick shout out to um, someone who just recently shot us a, an email, a new listener, um, Brian Tucker. Uh, he shot us a, an email, uh, last month and, um, he's a, he's a student and he's actually, is he, is he over there where you're at? Uh, where you flat of Mark? Uh, Alpha, I don't know. Alpha uniform, uh, November. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sunshine flyers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Matter of fact, I was just when I, well, I don't want to give it out, but a picture I posted, I said, where am I, is like literally 100 feet from Sunshine Flyers. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, someone actually, I saw that uh, said, you're ready. <laughs> That's where they guessed you were. I guess that uh, that uh, picture of that uh, plane on a pedestal or, or that sculpture gave it away. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, uh, so it looks like um, he's going to be um, uh, starting to fly, um, you know, maybe a Cessna 120, which would be cool, a little tail dragger. That'd be that. would be cool as a as a first plane. Yeah, knock, knock your tail wheel and everything out at the same time. Pretty awesome. So good luck to that, Brian. Yeah, and um, I uh, I have one. Uh, David Patton uh, emailed us as well, and turns out he's in my neck of the woods. Um, 
kind of going through the same thing of trying to find a flying club around here. And so I've been chatting back and forth with him for a while. Um, and he actually let me know about one in Harford County um, that looks pretty awesome. I, I'm trying to contact them now, actually. Um, trying to figure out what their, their structure is. But it looks like it's... Um, I don't know if there's a buy-in or not, but it's like, you know, 30 bucks a month or 35 bucks a month or something to, to be in. And their rates are like, um, oh, what was it? It was like 87 an hour for a 172, um, wet, <clears throat> which is not bad at all. Um, but it's a little, little flying club up there. It's not close to me, but it would be something that would be worth maybe keeping around for just you know, if I want to do a longer flight or something, or I want to do like a weekend, maybe doing that instead. Um, so, um, gonna try to get in contact with them. But yeah, but uh, shout out to to him. He is a student pilot. It looks like he's getting really close to his solo, which is awesome. So, um, good luck with that, and uh, um, look forward to hearing from him again. Uh, and I think that's all I got. Cool. Mark, got anything? No. Um, sorry. Uh. Yeah, uh, Monterey uh, Jet Center. Those guys are awesome. If you're flying to if you're flying to Monterey, definitely go see them. There's a couple of FBOs on the on the field, but definitely go see them. Otherwise, that's it. Awesome. And with that, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap up this episode of the In the Pattern Podcast. Uh, let's let everybody know where they can find us real quick. Let's start with you, Chris. Sure, you can uh, shoot me an email at chris at inthepatternpodcast.com. Uh, you can usually almost always find me on the Twitter machine at cholubaz, that's C-H-O-L-U-B-A-Z, or uh, hit us up on uh, the Facebooks uh, as well. All right, and Mark, how about you? Uh, you can find me, Mark, at inthepatternpodcast.com, uh, C-A pilot Mark on the Twitter machine, uh, Facebook as Mark Lacoste, and pretty much anywhere else you can I think I'm on Instagram and some other places and all under CA pilot Mark. Uh, so yeah, hit me up. Still confusing me with that change. <laughs> uh, and Brad, how about you? You can reach me via email at brad at in the pattern podcast.com uh, on Facebook uh, and on Twitter as uh, at Brad Kane. Uh, and Kane is spelled Kilo Oscar Echo Hotel November, just like it sounds. Awesome. And for me, you can find me at John at InThePatternPodcast.com. I'm on Twitter at Pilot Conway. You can also find me editing video every once in a while at YouTube.com slash FlyOPA. And uh, shameless self-promotion plug here. Um, if you like coffee, I'm launching an app that's actually in review right now for iPhone and Apple Watch, and you can find that at grindapp.coffee. Um, yes, that's a .coffee domain, um, but that'll be in the App Store soon as Grind. Um, and with that, um, you can go ahead and reach all of us at podcast at inthepatternpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter as in the pattern, or you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash inthepatternpodcast. Uh, show notes for this episode and other episodes can be found at our website, inthepatternpodcast.com. And uh, go ahead. We uh, want any suggestions, comments, or critiques. I'd uh, like to get any feedback. And if you'd like, uh, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, so with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up episode 56 of the In the Pattern Podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening. And remember, make left traffic. You're cleared for the option.
Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The voice of-